that's our prayer this morning. Lord, we, we love you, we worship you, we honor you. Lord, we're inspired by your love and your example, grace. And we want to be more like you. Lord, we're frustrated that at times those old gray areas come back to bite us, things we wish we had outgrown by now. And hence, Lord, the prayer, would you empty me of me? And instead, would you fill me with you? Lord, that my life, my words, my actions would reflect your goodness. Your grace, your glory everywhere I go. So, Lord, we offer you our hearts this morning. We we open our spiritual ears and say, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you show us what we need to see? Would you change in us what you need to change? Lord, we consecrate ourselves afresh to you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Is my mic okay, Steve? It seems to be going in and out a bit. Is it okay? Very good. Don't turn me off yet. You haven't heard what I've said yet. You might want to in a few minutes. I don't know. Anyway, good morning all. How are you doing? Very good. Praise the Lord. Lovely to see you. Um, we've had a little mini break from this series um, on holiness. And you know what? This morning it's time to get that pendulum a swinging again. I very intentionally spent the first three weeks of this series laying some, some really crucial, quite deep foundations. And we'll start this morning with a quick recap because we're going to be applying those, those foundational principles this morning. And then the aim is we're going to dig into some tough imperatives. Doesn't that sound exciting? So, what have we learned so far? We've had, we've had three messages. Message number one was entitled, Time for the Pendulum to Swing. And the opening premise really that undergirds this is, is that the church, Christians in general, have allowed the emphasis on holiness to slip. Where has it gone? It's gone to a a, a back, I guess, to a heavy legalism on one side uh, and the pendulum has swung on the other extreme to what we might call hyper-grace or, or easy grace. And in a world that is tugging away from the holy, God is calling his bride back. Back to the beauty of purity to the safety of righteousness, if you remember week one, to the freedom of conscience, and to the intimacy of relationship. Bottom line, if we want more, then we must answer that call. So message number one was it's time for the pendulum to swing. Message number two was called justification, sanctification, and glorification. 
justification. It's vital that, that we truly understand the effects of what Jesus has done and how that cements our position and our status, our, our identity as saints and sons. But there's also sanctification. We also need to recognize that, that God wants to make us more like Jesus. And that, in all likelihood, explains a great deal of what is happening in and around you. God is at work in you. Sanctification. And you need to cooperate with that work. And then message number three was, was gospel grammar, about three weeks ago, if you can remember. And I made a strong statement. I said this, if your pursuit of holiness is imperative-based, you will fail. Because sweat and effort and good intentions will just result in yet more frustration. Instead, holiness it is a work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. But the good news is that we already have access to all the holiness we could possibly need because God, the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of us. And so holiness is not something we work up, but it's something, or rather someone, already within us we draw upon. So holiness is not going to be self-effort. It's going to be empowering grace. And here we come to the crux. Grace, grace empowers us to obey the imperatives of Scripture that would otherwise be really hard. And your victory, therefore, in that struggle that we all go through is going to be found in the sufficiency of God's grace. And the good news is that grace is always readily available. We just need to learn how to draw upon it. So pulling those three thoughts, that those three messages together, we must never forget that there is an imperative. That God Almighty has the right to set the terms and to make demands and to issue a direct command. Our job, therefore, is simply to accept and obey. But of course, here's where the walls tend to come crashing down. We know we ought to obey, but our flesh is screaming at us. We so want to be pure. But that bad habit is just too deeply dug. We know what the Word says. But my own way still looks and feels so compelling. And that's where messages 2, parts 2 and 3 kick in. That's why we so badly need justification, sanctification and glorification. That's why it's so important that we have our gospel grammar in the right order. See, in our own strength, we will fail more often than we'd like. The imperative is just too hard. The standard just feels 
unobtainable. Temptation is just too much. But, back to our three messages. Number one, if we recognize how important holiness is to the heart of God. Number two, recognize that, that God is taking you and I on a sanctifying journey. God is walking with you. And then message three, recognize that his grace is available to help you, help you to obey when it seems really hard. And with all of those three ducks in a row, as it were, you can start to look at the tough imperatives of Scripture in a different light. Which leads on to today's title, which is Tough Imperatives. Obviously, the Bible is full of imperatives, commands, directives from heaven. And I think that when some people read it, frankly, that's all they find. And if that is the case, no wonder they get stuck. Here, here are just some of the tough imperatives that you might have stumbled up or bumbled up against in your Christian walk. I've come up with the top ten. You might have others in there. But here is my top 10 tough imperatives. You ready? Buckle up. Number one, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. I guess here's the point. That's, that's not kind of an option. That's not where you swing on a sunny day when you're cruising downhill with the wind in your sails. This is a direct command imperative from heaven. We are required to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Easy? Not, not usually. Number one, that's at the top of my list, I think. Number two is forgive 70 times seven. I don't know how good your math is. That's a lot of forgiving. I think sometimes we struggle to forgive just once. Tough. Number three, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Number four, do not worry. <laughs> do not be anxious. Do not fear. A lot of people struggle with that imperative. Found several times in the New Testament. Number five, this is Jesus' direct statement. Deny self. Take up your cross. Follow me, said Jesus easy to deny self. Number six, seek first. Stop the emphasis. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There are lots of things we want to seek. Do we seek him first? Number seven, kind of related to that one. I'll skip over this one quickly. Honor the Lord with the first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Does God, dog, does God get your first and best? Or does he get what's left over? Number eight. Give respect and honor to those in authority. Romans 13, 7. That can be hard. That's a deeply nuanced statement. Number nine. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of Christ Jesus for you. 
And then number 10, in your anger, do not sin. Ephesians 4.26, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now hopefully you are, what's the modern saying, hopefully you are crushing most of these. But do you ever find it tough to love? Anyone clinging on to offense or unforgiveness? Ever a little judgmental? Are you quick to critique and criticize everything and everyone? Anyone struggle with worry or anxiety or fear? Anyone with anger issues? Does your temper ever let you down? And here's the sobering point. These are all imperatives. They're not options or suggestions or in any way up for debate. And yet some of these can be really tough. Here's a photo that one of our dear church members who's not here today has sent. And it says, my problem is I want to follow Jesus and slap people too. And she said, can I wear that to church? And I said, probably not, but I'm going to nick it and stick it in my PowerPoint. And if we're honest, we've all had successes and failures. But God is demanding obedience. Can you see that pendulum trying to swing? God is demanding obedience. God is calling us to be holy. Have a look for a minute just at how the three messages that I've summarized already, how they, they apply to these tough imperatives. And then we'll walk through a couple of them this morning. Let's, let's apply message number Message number one, if you remember, is this swinging pendulum idea. First of all, we need to acknowledge that for each of those imperatives, that list of ten, each one of those is God's way. It's not just Jesus exaggerating when he got a little bit carried away on the Mount of the Sermon on the Mount. Holiness makes demands. God's holiness within makes demands of you. The Holy Spirit within makes demands of you. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think we're heading that way next week. Something to be excited about. If you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, God is not making th th those demands to be abusive or manipulative or to overburden you. God knows what is good for you. He knows the damage that anger can cause as opposed to the healing and reconciling power of love. He knows the enormous damage that offense can cause and the tremendous freedom in forgiveness. He knows the dangerous consequences of judging and the superiority of wise discerning. So the point is this, thank God for the indicatives of grace, but that doesn't for a second reduce, remove, 
or change the imperative that we're called to obey. God is calling us to holiness. He's calling us to righteousness. He's calling us to obedience. And if that pendulum swings too far in the wrong direction, we're in all sorts of trouble. Message number two, JSG, justification, sanctification, glorification. Thank God for justification. Who we are as a result of Christ's finished work on the cross. Thank God for glorification. That one day he will bring everything to completion and fullness. Praise the Lord. But we still need to cooperate with that sanctification journey. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Do not forget, do not forget, number one, that God wants you to mature. He wants you to outgrow those feisty, carnal immaturities that have hitherto held you back. Don't forget, number two, God wants you to overcome. He wants you to live in the reality of the victory that he's won over sin and death. Do not forget, number three, that God wants you to live out of your new justified identity, as we've just read, rather than the unregenerate old one. Don't forget that God wants you to live free from the ties that bind from guilt and shame, from worldliness and immorality, from ignorance and disobedience, intentional or otherwise. Do not forget that God's purpose for you is a kingdom fruit that comes from the sowing seed of the Spirit, not the flesh, of grace, not works, the holy rather than the worldly. And then message number three. How does gospel grammar play into this, the empowerment of grace? Well, the process goes something like this. Number one, when you're facing tough imperatives, first you need to recognize what the flesh is saying. Recognize how it's manipulating you, where it's trying to tug you. And to contrast that with what the Word of God is saying. That's, that's number one. Can you identify that the flesh is tugging you over here and the Spirit of God is trying to lead you towards a holy destination? Number two, remind yourself that God's way is always better. It sows a better seed. It produces a better outcome. It comes from a better Spirit, it belongs to a better kingdom. It is based on better promises. And once you've come to that conclusion, number three, you need to ask for grace. To press pause. To breathe in. And pray. 
And then fourth and finally, you need to draw on that grace. And then you need to go wherever it leads you. And you know, folks, when you face a tough imperative, and we all face them all the time, that's the process. Those are the principles, those are the foundation blocks, and that is how you satisfy an imperative that otherwise just seems out of reach. To dive in a little bit deeper, I want to look at the top two, the two of the toughest ones, and we'll apply those principles again, and then we'll kind of wrap up and respond. So, um, if you've not forgotten, that ugly list of tough imperatives. <laughs> Number one was love your enemies. Here's the, here's the verse, Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, verse 43. Jesus said, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as two true children of your father heaven. Great theory. Far more easily said than done. You know, the command to, to love your enemies stands as a formidable challenge. Because human nature tends to seek retaliation and justice. So this command pushes against our natural instinct of self preservation and retribution but the imperative is this even if they mistreat you even if they bully and abuse you mock or manipulate you the imperative call is to extend love and kindness in return and this it goes without saying is not easy but again, here are the principles. Number one, acknowledge the imperative. When it's staring you straight in the eyes, acknowledge the imperative, number one. Number two, recognize that this, on, on this sanctifying journey, this is an area that God wants you to grow in and mature in. And then number three, press pause, breathe in, and choose instead to draw on his empowering enabling grace. So you're facing this imperative head on. Number one, acknowledge the imperative. Here we go. The Lord has dictated that loving your enemies is the right and godly and wise thing to do. That is what obedience looks like. That is what it means to be holy, separated, consecrated to him. That is what God is calling you to do. So number one, we, we recognize, acknowledge the imperative. Number two, recognize that this is an area God wants me to grow amateur in. No one said it was easy. Jesus has been there. Jesus knows the temptations. He sympathizes with the pain. He also understands that, that for the old you, this is probably a step too far. But 
on this sanctification journey in pursuit of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, of maturing and growing and becoming more like Jesus, we should become better at this. And thirdly, I press pause, breathe in the gospel grammar and choose to draw on his empowering grace. The reality is if I'm looking for my love, for that person who has mocked and abused and humiliated and bullied me, who has put themselves forward as my enemy, if I look for my own love, I'm unlikely to find it. If you try to do it as an act of willpower, determination, you'll fail. But Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The ultimate agent of love lives in your heart. And that is what you must draw upon. That is what will empower you to love the unlovable and to fulfill such a tough imperative. Imperative number two. Matthew 18, 21. Then Jesus, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You realize Peter thought he was being really impressive. Really impressive. Look at this, Lord. Seven times. Seven times. No. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. How do you forgive the unforgivable? When someone shows no remorse, when that offense is genuine and hurtful, when they harm your loved ones, when your brain is wrestling with issues of deserved consequence or legal penalty, or the chances they're just going to do it again. Or, or the permanent scar that you are wearing. And then there's the imperative. Forgive. Not just once. Not even seven times. But 70 times seven. Here are those principles again. Number one, acknowledge the imperative. The Lord has dictated, here we go again, that forgiving is always the right and godly and wise thing to do. That is what obedience looks like. This is not an option or suggestion. And actually not to do so would prove to be damaging to you. So number one, start by acknowledging the imperative. Your flesh is screaming at you. Your brain is reasoning it all around in every single different direction. But the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the imperative. God has spoken and God has the right to set and dictate the terms. God knows what is best for you. Number one, acknowledge the imperative. Number two, I, I recognize this is a growth area for me. 
that this is something that God wants as he works in and through us in this sanctifying journey. This is something that God wants us to grow and mature in, to become, as Guy Chevreau said, unoffendable. Again, no one said it was easy. Jesus has been there. Remember his words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As they were nailing him to the cross to unjustly crucify him. And of course, the old me, living the old way, would have held on to that offense. But God's way is better. And I want to be more like Jesus. And then thirdly, the grace. Press pause, breathe in, and choose to draw on his empowering grace. In my own strength, I do not have the power to forgive. But here's the good news. I am not limited to the best I can do. Do you believe that? I have unhindered, unlimited access to God's enabling, empowering grace. And I choose to receive that grace. I choose to yield to that grace. I choose to release that amazing grace. And let it do in me, let it do for me what I simply could not do myself. And if we had time, we'd work our way through the rest of that list of 10 tough imperatives and we could apply each of those same principles. Do not judge. Let that critical spirit defile you. Do not worry. And allow your faith to be sabotaged. Deny self so that you can successfully, fruitfully follow Jesus. Seek first so your priorities are rightly aligned. In your anger, do not sin. And don't give the devil those frustrating victories that you later painfully regret. Back to those initial premises. We have access to all the holiness we could possibly need. Holiness is not something we work up. Holiness is something we draw upon because he lives on the inside of you. Holiness is not going to be sweat and self-effort. It's going to be empowering grace. And the good news is that grace empowers us to obey the imperatives of Scripture that would otherwise be really hard. That's the good news. The good news is the resources of heaven are available for you to satisfy all of those tough imperatives. And number one, hear the call that says you should. And number two, recognize that God is leading into a maturity that answers that call. And then number three, learn to draw on a grace that makes obedience possible, even when it's tough. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, verses from last time. By his divine power, God has, past tense, given us everything we need for living a godly life. 
2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. In my own strength, no wonder I keep falling flat on my face. But we have access to the sufficiency of God's empowering grace. His divine power is available to make that holy, godly life accessible. And that brings all of those tough imperatives back within our grasp. I'll ask the worship team to come forward. And uh, we'll think about how we can respond to this this morning. I've got, I've got three possible responses. I suggest you pick one. Maybe the, the Lord is already stirring in your heart something completely different. That's great. Go with that. But number one, that swinging pendulum is submit yourself to the master's imperative. You know, today, plant that stake in the ground. It's time to choose his way every single time. To pray something like this, Lord, I am hearing your call and I am answering.